Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. Today I'd like to talk to you about how to reach your full potential. Just this week alone, I had more than one conversation with different students who pulled me aside and we basically had this conversation. I decided to refine my thoughts and put something together for everyone. This isn't just for students and young doctors, as you will soon see. This is something that affects everyone, regardless of what stage in your career you're in. These principles have been formulated by my experience, the experience of others, and wonderful learning resources like Brian Buffini, John Maxwell, and Zig Ziglar. So let's talk about what it takes to reach your full potential. Let me start off by asking you a question. Do you believe that you have untapped potential? I think that most of us, if not all of us, probably do believe that we do have some untapped potential, at least in some area of our lives. So the question is, what do we have to do to unlock this hidden potential? For most students, they want to unlock their hidden adjusting potential. For those who are more experienced, they want to unlock their hidden business potential. For those of us who have done it even longer, we may want to unlock our influence or legacy potential. When I look at my children, I know they have untapped potential. My desire with all of my heart and even my responsibility is to help them unlock that potential so that one day they realize that potential and they reap the benefits from it. If you have children, I'm sure you know exactly what I mean. With my students, to a lesser extent, I still see their unlocked potential and I want to help them realize all of that potential. In both cases, I take responsibility for helping them to realize that potential. At the same time, I recognize that their individual potential varies from person to person. For example, my children are quite different, and the potential shown by one of them is very nearly the opposite of the potential shown by the other. No doubt, if you're listening to my voice right now, you have unrealized potential, and that unrealized potential is unique to you. And that's why the world needs you to realize all the potential you possess. It's an obvious point, but we, as humans, do not simply improve by the passage of time. As the saying goes, there's a difference between 10 years of experience and one year of experience 10 times. Neither is our potential automatically revealed through the simple passage of time. It's only when we acknowledge that it's perfectly possible to live a long and productive life, but to still die after having never realized your potential. And this is often what leads to so many people having deathbed regrets for all they failed to achieve. Well, that's depressing. So let's talk about what we need to do to ensure that we never find ourselves in such an unenviable position. Without focus and effort, entropy takes over and we find ourselves drifting off course and becoming sloppy in our habits. Every business requires systems to make it functional, efficient, and effective. So much so that we could say that a business is nothing more than a collection of systems structured in order to achieve a defined goal. The problem for most chiropractors, and honestly, it's a problem for most doctors in general, is that we confuse habits for systems. We tell ourselves it's a system, but we really do it for convenience, preference, or simply because that's how we've always done it. Even technique, what you adjust, the order in which you adjust, which table you use, patient positioning, and numerous other factors are likely the result of habit rather than a well-thought-out system. What then tends to happen is that by the time you've been in practice for 10 to 15 years, you find yourself on autopilot, having plateaued, and feeling noticeably unfulfilled. In essence, we're simply going through the motions, acting on habit, but feeling unfulfilled like there must be more to life than this monotonous, never-ending cycle. Myself, I termed it as simply saying I was bored. Bored with practice, bored with having the same conversations, 
bored with fighting the same battles, and bored with being disrespected for being a chiropractor. Ultimately, I had no fire, and I was tired of putting out fires, but feeling like it was impossible to move forward. So, 10 years into practice, I took a year off. I have to thank my wife and give her credit for being the reason that that was even an option. Nonetheless, a year off was really valuable for me at that point. It was then that I realized I had been so focused on gaining skills and learning how to get people better that I hadn't really thought about where I was going, how I was going to get there, or how I would ever achieve something bigger than myself. If you can relate to any of that, then this is for you too, and not just the students who dream of who they can become, but are preoccupied with learning how to adjust. So let's start off by identifying the symptoms of not realizing your potential. After all, as good doctors, shouldn't we start off by identifying the symptoms indicative of the problem? The first symptom is just simply that you know it. Do you feel deep down that you should be doing more, but you feel stuck and unable to move forward? I know that feeling, but don't let it get you down. It's there to motivate you, so let it. Make a plan, commit the time, and begin taking action steps in the direction you know you need to go. The second symptom is that you justify your current situation. Whether it's your practice, your skills, or your results, the explanation always begins with, it's not my fault because whatever. If you've been making excuses to justify your current situation, then you probably realize you have potential to do more, be more, and serve more. The third symptom is that you become jealous, envious, or resentful of other people's successes. This is obviously not a becoming look for anyone, so it's best to identify the root of the problem, your untapped potential, and get to work and eliminate the symptom. For the first 12 years of my career, while working in a small isolated town, I had very little interaction with anything chiropractic outside of my office. I made a conscious commitment to myself that I was going to put my head down and get to work, and I was going to intentionally avoid the distraction of looking around and comparing myself to others. In those moments, I had no concern for where I was, but I was solely focused on where I was going and who I intended to become. Unfortunately, even in that environment, there were distractions and difficulties that found me, even though I wasn't looking for them. That's just life. But none of them derailed me. So while they might have slowed me or created a temporary detour, the end result was that I continued to move forward. And those tough times that seemed insurmountable at the time now only look like bumps in the road when I see them in the rearview mirror. This brings me to the major mindset decision that aims us in the right direction before we can begin taking action steps. Perhaps, as a student, you heard it said that you should use the opportunity to gain exposure to everything and just see everything that's out there. Even when you knew you wanted to be a Gonstead chiropractor, the conventional wisdom is to gain exposure to as many doctors as possible and make everyone your mentor. In short, variety is believed to be the secret to becoming a well-rounded chiropractor. In my experience, this approach rarely works and often leads to greater confusion. This confusion can often last years into practice and really stunts our growth in the first few years of practice. In fact, this is the exact conversation I had with two students this week. When I saw the relief they had when I freed them from this burden and recommended a better route, I realized that this is something that many people probably need to hear. Instead of focusing on variety, focus on creating consistency. Anyone who's played a sport knows that you can't change coaches every week or constantly change your routine and expect to see any improvement. Now, imagine training a different sport every week thinking it would make you a well-rounded athlete. Obviously, that would be ridiculous, but the resulting confusion and mediocrity would look a lot like the place where many fledgling chiropractors, to borrow a phrase from Dr. Barge, find themselves in confusion and frustration. 
Consistency in your training and approach is the key foundation upon which we can build real skills. At this point, I want to give you some encouragement with the fact that there is joy in the pursuit of fulfilling your potential. Let me say that again. There is joy in the pursuit of fulfilling your potential. We live in a time when joy is a rare commodity. In the U.S., people are being paid to stay home and not work. You would think they would be happy, but suicide, depression, abuse, addiction are all up, indicating that people are not happy. That's because joy is found in the pursuit of our potential, and people are not allowed to do that right now, even if it's just them not allowing themselves to do it. The Bible says, nothing is better for man than to eat and drink and enjoy his work. I should point out that in this context, man refers to mankind and not to a man, which means that work is good for all of mankind, women and children included. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why don't we do what we know we should? Honestly, it's the result of human nature, but human nature can be overcome. Most animals choose to float effortlessly downstream, but with some effort, salmon can swim upstream. To quote B.J. Palmer, the path of least resistance makes men and rivers crooked. We all instinctively know that the easy way is not the best way, but it takes a superior act of the will to determine oneself to get up and exert the effort to move against the current. In short, do things that are hard. When you do things that are hard, you set yourself apart from the majority who have purposed in their mind to avoid things that are hard. I don't want to oversimplify this, but if you don't know what to do, start by doing things that are hard. By so doing, you will develop a habit of doing things that are hard. If you later decide to retarget your efforts, it will be easy because you've already developed a habit of doing things that are hard. The next obstacle is that sometimes we sabotage our own efforts. Why do we do this? We often justify our inaction as a fear of failure. Sociologists tell us that only 15% have a true fear of failure. And for those who have it, it's typically so motivational that their fear of failure propels them to great success. The other 85% have a fear of success. I know that might sound weird, but consider this. Success is heavy, but failure is light. Success is heavy because we fear the consequences of success, the responsibility, and the target on our back. Failure, on the other hand, is light because people ignore you. They expect nothing from you, and they certainly aren't jealous of you. Ashley Brilliant once said that the wonderful thing about failure is that it makes nobody jealous. Isn't there some security in that? Despite my choice to isolate myself during my formative years, I realized that this is not for everybody and is probably detrimental for most. I've always recognized that this is my preferred method, but even in the midst of it, there was a need for connection, even for me. This is where I think we need to walk a fine line, where the majority of our time is spent working and training alone in isolation. But we also have times of connection and influence, but these times are very purposeful and designed. When I went into practice, I knew that I would be tempted to teach before I was ready. So I made a commitment to myself. I told myself that I would make no effort to teach during the first 10 years of my career. If at any point in those first 10 years, I felt the temptation to teach, I would choose to learn instead. I know that might sound extreme to a lot of people, but it was one of the best decisions I ever made. By taking teaching off the table, I forced myself to go fully into learning. At that time, I didn't know about Malcolm Gladwell's 10-year or 10,000-hour rule. But I have no doubt that decision pushed me further in the right direction than I ever would have gone without it. I had already observed that once people start teaching, they usually stop learning. And I was very intentional that I wanted to avoid that temptation. The fact of the matter is that humans require positive interactions, and that's a commodity that's becoming increasingly difficult to find. 
Anyone who's achieved a lot has had a lot of help. There's no exception to this rule. This is also the reason why you have to be intentional in who you choose to allow to influence you in your journey. One bad piece of advice or one false concept has the power to set you back for years. I think we are often not careful enough to protect our minds from things we might hear that are false. This is the concept I'm trying to get across, even if my methods were extreme. Let's just be honest here. Some people teach or mentor as a way of justifying or validating their preferences, or just because they're so easily impressed by themselves that they want everyone to see what they see. If we're honest about that, then it necessitates the need to be careful about what we hear and who we hear it from. I'm not trying to call anybody out or point any fingers. I'm just saying we need to acknowledge this possibility and guard ourselves against it. Having said that, I think it's important to have at least one good coach or mentor. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to fill that role, albeit in a limited way, for those who don't have someone to fill that role for them. We all need drive to keep pushing forward and growing. Ultimately, all of your drive comes from inside you, but a good coach knows how to pull that out of you. So ask yourself, where does your drive come from now? How do you sustain and maintain it? We all need motivation, but the best motivation is the kind that comes from inside of us. That's not to discount the value of the person who has the ability to draw the motivation out of us, but something strange has happened in our society. Motivation is considered to be cheap, but social media has given value to the opinions of people who have no qualifications to even have an opinion. As Brian Buffini puts it, the cynic is to be revered, and the motivator is to be laughed at. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's the reality we live in. But motivation never lasts, the cynic will tell you. In the words of Zig Ziglar, motivation doesn't last. Neither does bathing. That's why we recommend you do it every day. Unlocking your potential requires a level of motivation that only can be sustained by you. This is often difficult to do because negativity sets in. Negativity is much more powerful than positivity. That's why it's so dangerous and pervasive. It's so easy to slip into negativity without even knowing it's happening. Just listen to the words coming out of your mouth and you will instantly know if negativity has set in. Before I tell you the solution to all this, I must mention one more problem we need to avoid. That is the the dangerous decision between becoming a rich chiropractor or becoming an ethical chiropractor. Well, why can't we be both? The problem is that economy, student loans, inflation, they all contribute to making us feel as though we have to go big or go home. Just this week, I mentioned to a student that the difference between a big office and a small office is the income they make, but the expenses are virtually the same. It's really hard to work that hard and take nothing home. This environment creates tremendous pressure to compromise our ethics. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody's doing anything illegal, but it's very possible to do what is legal, but have it still be unethical, especially in this day and age. My concern is that once you begin down this slippery slope, it will eat away at your soul. Eventually, you'll become aware that this is happening, and that's how you end up 10 years into a career, but feeling you have untapped potential and experiencing all the symptoms I described at the beginning of this podcast. It's never too late to get back on course, but it's so much better if we can just avoid that detour from the beginning. I know the need to make money is always out there. I have it too, because that's just reality. But instead of focusing on the money, focus on developing your skills and serving people. If you'll do that, the money has a tendency to take care of itself. In the end, money becomes a cheap substitute for success. Now let's talk about how we create what we want instead of avoiding what we don't want. John Maxwell says that leaders are more successful than managers because managers spend their time solving problems, but leaders spend their time creating momentum. The way we do this is by using systems. Brian Buffini has an acronym for system, 
which stands for save your self time, energy, money. So save yourself time, energy, money. If you don't have a system, then you're probably wasting time, energy, and money. This is the danger of confusing habits for systems because the waste is still there. If you're a student and trying to learn, you need a system for doing it. If you're starting a practice, you need a system for doing it. If you're revitalizing your practice, you need a system for doing it. When I made the transition from practicing to teaching, I was entering a whole new world, so I implemented a system for doing it. The system doesn't have to be perfect, and I know mine wasn't, but there's a system in place, and I can tweak it when there are failures, when I need more efficiency, or when the environment changes. In order to make this work, as Brian Buffini says, you need drive, fuel, and a system. The drive comes from you and serves as your daily motivation. So, are you, are you self-motivated or motivated by others? There's no right or wrong answer, but you have to know which one you need and respond to and then create a plan for how you're going to get a steady supply of it. Then you need fuel. The fuel that sustains us is the fuel we get from observed accomplishment or success. Modern philosopher Jay Bujashevsky has written quite a bit about the false concepts of the self-esteem generation. As he points out, self-esteem is not created by avoiding adversity or by heaping praise on mediocre work, but self-esteem is only created by genuine accomplishment. One thing you see in the best athletes in every sport is a perfectionism that demands perfect execution and works tirelessly to maintain that level once it's been achieved. That's the kind of discipline required to create true self-esteem. Mediocrity can never produce true self-esteem, no matter how you choose to view it. And finally, we have the system which allows you to produce consistency so you can compare today's result against yesterday's result and know that you are truly improving. There is no shortcut to success. I want to give you one more tip that I stumbled upon by accident, and I know it made a huge difference in my growth, but I could never measure it. As Jordan Peterson has said, writing your thoughts is a powerful substitute for thinking your thoughts. In my early days, I did a lot of writing. I would write every day, and I began by trying to explain simple things so patients could understand them. I would tackle things like, what is a subluxation? Why do you only adjust one or two segments? Why do you need x-rays? And many other questions I knew I would be asked frequently. Now that I'm teaching, I find that students often ask the same questions that patients used to ask. Take some time to think about these things and offer some thoughtful answers. I promise it'll pay off in the end. Well, I hope you found this beneficial, regardless of where you are in your career. Whether you need more motivation or more structure, whatever the weak spot, I hope you're able to identify it and create a plan for how you're going to solve it. As I mentioned last week, GMI is doing their case management seminar this weekend. I will be there along with many of the guests you've heard on this podcast. If you need to develop your skills, I highly recommend that you attend this seminar or one of their upcoming seminars. Next week, we're going to be talking about the sacrum, and you're going to want to hear all the amazing information that our guest is going to have for you. Until then, I hope you have the very best week possible, and I want to remind you that your best is yet to come. I'll see you again next time. Thank <laughs> you.